on with the show, big fuckers. Big fuckers. <laughs> big fuckers? <laughs> Who's that? Who are you talking about? Anyway. Anyway, on with the show. Anyway, on with the show. <laughs> Welcome, whiskey friends, to our 85th episode. Woo, woo, woo. Glad to have you here, as always. I'm joined by my co-host, a man whose first words as a baby were Jack Daniels, followed by, I do like a buck fast. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up <laughs> for the hero in his own mind, Mr. Nicholas Palaki. How's it going, Rich? Good to see you, mate. Yeah, good, man. Good. Can't what an intro. Playing. You like that? Yeah, it's good. That was good. 85. 85 episodes. Of um, which I have done how many? Can you remember? I, mate, I think you. this is maybe your 19th. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're catching up with Daz. Oh, good effort, yeah. Good effort. Good week. Oh, how have you been? What have you been up to? Yeah, good, man. It's Believe it or not, it's absolutely roasting here up in Speyside. So um, we're getting like this massive heat wave in the UK right now. Just had a huge thunderstorm, which was kind of cool. Uh, reminded me of uh, back in the day in North Carolina and all that kind of stuff, you know? Yep. Um, but yeah, yeah, good week, mate. Just uh, kind of what have I done this week? I was out with some guys taking them around distilleries. Uh, I'm, I've got a big week coming up tomorrow. I'm about to do a wee tasting for Glenfiddich, so jump back in the saddle there, which will be fun. There you go. Um, but yeah, mate, just uh, chill, chilled out over the weekend, didn't really do much. Bit of gardening, stuff your crap jokes, dude. I'm getting fucking old. I was gardening <laughs> at the weekend, fucking gardening. Can you believe that? Yeah, I can. I can. Looking at you, you've just got gardener written all over you, to be fair. <laughs> gardening. Hate it. What about you, mate? What have you been up to? Anything more exciting than I have? On the road. On the road again. Um, yeah. Pretty good week. Yeah, last week was fun, actually. I ended up going out. I was in Winter Park, Orlando, uh, where I did a whiskey dinner. A little place called Gochi Japanese Kitchen, which, Mitch, I'm not even joking, like the owners. So it's Kyogo and Tyler are the owners of this place. Uh, their chef, Chef John, put on maybe what I would consider to be one of the best meals I've ever had in my life. Like, it wow. was absolutely superb. Super, well, like, it's just a great meal. I mean, we were drinking right through the range of Shibuya whiskeys, but we were drinking 23-year-old. Andy picked up a couple of bottles of the now-extinct 30-year-old, and we mm -hmm. were drinking that as well. So he had, he'd saved some of that from, from a, a year or so ago, and we had to get a wee taste again of that, which was really nice. Uh, I can't believe... I, I was, it was a blast. Mate, I can't believe I'm still to taste this whiskey that you talk about all the time that's yours. I know. Do you want, do you want to hear another wee bit of exciting news? Tell me. Uh, which I'll take is hot off the press as of today. So it's June 12th is the day that we're recording this. So who knows when it will go out into the into the world's sphere. But Ultimate Spirit Challenge also just named Shibui Pure Malt 10-year-old. Uh, it was one of the highest scoring Japanese whiskeys in the list, but it was also made the top 100 spirits in the world list from Ultimate Spirit Challenge, which is Paul Picoult. And a ton of other great, you know, uh, Dale DeGroth and kind of great expert whiskey judges and things like that that are on that panel. So that's another really exciting piece of news for us. So, whoop, whoop. Nice, mate. Amazing. News. Well done. Well done. Thanks very much. Well, one of the things I did do this week, actually, was I freaked myself out a little bit. Uh, and the way I saw did that was... You saw a mirror, didn't you? What, what? You saw a mirror. <laughs> oh, very good day. In the gardening gloves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw my gardening outfit. <laughs> if you get one of those big brim hats like tied underneath your your chin, uh, not yet, not yet. I need no, to get one of them to aspire to. 
Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I Stop can... holding back, mate. Just own it. <laughs> I, I'd still kill everything in the garden or something. Anyway, let's stop talking about fucking gardening for fuck's sake. No, but I freaked myself out this week by listening to a podcast all about AI. And I, I know I've sent this to you and you've now listened to it as well. Um, but I don't know if anyone listens listening here has looked into what's going on, but this really messed with my head a little bit. And I know it's a little bit off topic with whiskey, right? But honestly, I highly recommend everyone to sit down and listen to this. Um, the podcast is called Diary of a CEO. Uh, it's a guy called Stephen Bartlett that, that does the podcast. And one of his guests was the guy who quit Google. I don't know if you guys have, have, remember this. It was quite a while back, but he saw where AI was heading. It freaked him out. And he was like, no, nah, I'm tapping out. See you later. And you know what he says in this is part terrifying and also pretty fascinating. Um, you know, so so after it, I started to play about a little bit on um, the, the big kind of platform, I suppose there is right now, which is uh, chat GTP. Nicholas, get this, right? I just wrote into it, write an intro for a whiskey podcast called Not Another Whiskey Podcast, hosted by Mitch and Nicholas. It's an informal, fun look at whiskey, and this is what it came up with in about three seconds. Welcome to Not Another Whiskey Podcast, the ultimate destination for an informal and fun exploration of the world of whiskey. I'm Mitch, and joining me as your co-host is the charismatic Nicholas. Together, we'll be your guides on this delightful journey through the realm of spirits. Here's the deal, we believe that whiskey is more than just a drink, it's a fascinating tapestry of history, craftsmanship, and enjoyment. But hey, let's be real, we're not here to be snobbish or pretentious about it. No sir, not us. Instead, we're all about creating an atmosphere where whiskey enthusiasts of all levels can come together, share laughs, and dive into the amazing stories behind our favorite amber elixir. On each episode of Not Another Whiskey Podcast, we'll take you on a rollicking adventure as we sample different whiskies, uncover their unique flavors and discuss the captivating tales that make each bottle so special. Whether you're a seasoned connoisseur or just dipping your toes into the whiskey world, we promise you a good time filled with entertainment and valuable insights. Expect lively banter, witty commentary, and a relaxed atmosphere as we explore the vast landscape of whiskies from all corners of the globe. We'll be joined by expert guests, delve into the latest trends and releases, and even venture into the occasional whiskey-inspired adventure. That is absolutely insane, and uh, the fact that in three seconds, it also named me as charismatic. That is on point. So at least it's accurate, right? We know that for a start. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. So what are your thoughts on this, Mitch? Like, let's 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 dive into this because I actually think we we can chip in on this one here. Like, and, and it's funny because you and I were speaking about how this might apply to the world of whiskey, and 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 obviously from a branding and marketing standpoint, I can see brand teams using this. I can see you know we've seen some stuff already here in the United States where people have been using. Uh, this this specific program to write like a uh, legal documents that are being read out in court and and like making defenses for people and things like that. So, how do you see it applying to the world of whiskey outside of marketing and branding? Do you think is whiskey making stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've got a good friend. Uh, shout out to Carol, who's actually a doctor at St Andrews University. And um, she actually said that everyone's freaking out with regards to universities right now because they're not sure, you know, if students are going to write their own stuff anymore. Um, I mean, it's getting to that that point. You look at what we just did there, right? So I, I actually started looking into kind of if any whiskeys, any whiskey companies have used AI already. And I did find that MacMira, the Swedish whiskey company, they yep. created a whiskey based on AI. 
So they basically typed in all the flavor profiles they wanted. This was actually back in 2019. So it was a good, what, five years ago now. Um, yeah. But they typed in what they wanted from the whiskey. It it came up with, I think it was about 40 or 50 different options. The master blender then sat down, looked at them all. She chose the one that she liked the look of. And that's how that whiskey was created. So it has already been used to create a whiskey. Now, my prediction, which I don't think you agree with, is it's going to get to the point where there will be an artificial whiskey blender and they will make the whiskey from start to finish. And I I, I think the way that's going to evolve is it's obviously going to take all the characteristics, learn them all, and it will create some way of actually nosing and tasting. Um, you know, and I'm talking way down the line here, but you listen to that 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 podcast, and it talks these kind of crazy things about how how AI is evolving so so quickly um, to the point where it's getting pretty scary, and something needs to be done about it. So I definitely think it's going to be used in whiskey. I know that marketing companies for whiskey are using this probably every day right now. Would you agree with yeah. that? I would say that if they're not, then they're probably not being as efficient with the time. So I think that there are people that should be using this and mm. then working with what they get and then edit, editing it. Like it's, there are some, obviously, I mean, it, it, it's staggeringly creative. That's the thing. Like when you get onto this and you play around with it, the content that it writes yeah. is staggeringly creative. It would be the, 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 the phrase that I would use. But for me, I don't see it. I think that, the, I think we, we're a long way from it becoming a whiskey maker. But I also think that, you know, effectively it could do, right? Because effectively, you know, flavor and aroma uh, and, and things like that are chemical compounds. So if you can measure it, which you can, then you can create it. But I think that the art form of whiskey making, you know, understanding, you know, how every single barrel individually matures and changes that's kind of the, the, the craft and, and the art form of, of being a master blender. Could you teach a, a machine to do it? Probably. Should you? Absolutely not. <laughs> like, I, I think that's a, even if you could, and even if you thought it was going to be, or oh, we'll be the first brand that ever puts out and we have an AI blender, I just it just feels like a, we're going to start replacing ourselves. What, what are people going to do then? Because if, 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 a, if, a, if a chemical compound nosing machine can put together a better whiskey than people that dedicate their life's craft and art to it, then what's the point? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mate, I've already replaced you with AI for the next episode. What are you talking about? Good. One last thing for me to do. I've got a lot of travel on, Mitch, so this would actually help me out. <laughs> <laughs> Does it still tell crappy dad jokes? Mate, well, listen, moving on, I think I think that's a fascinating um, uh, subject. I want to delve into this. I think we need to do a whole episode on it, maybe get someone on from the whiskey business that has had a little bit of experience with this. So if there's anyone out there who's yep. kind of messing about with AI and whiskey right now, we want to hear from you. Let's get you on the show. Um, let's, let's, let's kind of look at all that. But anyway, let's move away from this kind of crazy, almost scary world. Let's move into the real world and see let's. what has been happening within the whiskey world. Lots and lots. And we're going to start with a little bit of celebrity studded stuff here. It feels like when we were looking at the news, Mitch, this week, it was a lot of celebrities. So we'll crack on. First one out the gate was Jack and Victor, who won a court case against Jack Daniels. 
And just to put some context for our American audience and, and other worldwide audience into this, so Jack and Victor were two characters from from a, a show in Scotland called Still Game. And it was basically um, you know, Greg Hemp Hemphill and Ford Kieran, I think are the two two actors mm. that, that, that kind of played the characters. And it was basically these kind of guys, younger guys that, that were made to look like old men. And they were kind of grumpy old men that kind of lived their lives. Jack and Victor, <laughs> remember? <laughs> uh, but uh, those two, kind of two characters, and they, they created a blended whiskey called Jack and Victor, which, by the way, went into like a, the label set of this. I don't know if you've seen it, Mitch. Is like black and gold background with big bold white lettering. Yeah. Um, it doesn't look like Jack Daniels particularly, but obviously similar uh, color profile. Uh, on its packaging and just having the word Jack would seem to be the sticking point. Uh, so Jack Daniels, we're basically saying this is a trademark for the UK because it includes the term Jack and Gentleman Jack, and that's what they kind of had. But yeah, they they lost out. That you know the 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 court ruled against them and said that there was enough difference for for customers to kind of see that it was wasn't going to be you know, a confusion, I guess, right? Yeah, and I'm I'm glad they they won that. And Jack Daniels didn't win it because I thought that was a bit. They were kind of reaching there a little bit. I mean, come on. Got to put yeah. your yoga pants on for that because that was a stretch. <laughs> uh, talking about <laughs> other celebrity news, we've got Keanu jumping into the whiskey world with Suntory. Sure so that do. was cool. Keanu Reeves um, and filmmaker Sofia Coppola uh, have jumped in on a new campaign with Suntory. Uh, so this is to mark the Japanese whiskey producer's 100th anniversary this year. And, you know, I think when you look back at Suntory, they've done a lot of uh, celebrity endorsements, uh, a lot of cameos. You know, you look at Lost in Translation was a great one with Bill Murray. Um, so they, they've done like this sort of tribute short video that tells the story behind um, the, the sort of Japanese whiskey maker based around about Suntory. I mean, you're close to, to Japanese whiskey, Nicholas. What do you think of this? Yeah, this, I mean, there's a long history. Actually, some of the older commercials with Suntory you should look up. Like, there's a cracker with Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. Where he's like, boom. Well, he's, just, he's just beatboxing the sounds of making, of pouring his whiskey out in front of him. It's, it's a little odd, but it's quite it's quite quirky. Quirky. Uh, I'm obviously going to redo it myself with Shibui and just beatbox my way through. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, it, this is cool. Like, Keanu Reeves has clearly got a synergy with this company. Clearly, it's spent a long time uh, loving their whiskeys, and it's, it's awesome. Really great to see. And then the last bit of celebrity news, like, I can't believe this is like three bits of celebrity whiskey news that we're, we're basing our, our, uh, our Scotch whiskey news on, but Rod Stewart has released a blended whiskey called Wolfie's Whiskey. Which I don't know why I'm laughing. I think I'm laughing because I'm looking at his picture. Did you see the picture of him <laughs> holding up like the whiskey here? I've seen it. Um, <laughs> kind of cool. I mean, it's it's been done in association with our friends at Loch Lomond Distillery. Yeah. Um, you know, and it should be out. I don't think it's out yet. They're saying the the nineteenth of June. So as we record this, it's still still not out. So boys at Loch Lomond, send us a wee Rod Stewart whiskey. Yeah. Um, when you when you swirl the whiskey in the glass and you hold it up, do you see the hot legs? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Come on, I love Rod Stewart though. I've not tried the whiskey. I can't wait. Uh, you know, what? I, I will say this. So, just on this note, I am so over celebrity brands. It like it's like any man and the dog right now, and I don't know why we're jumping on this bandwagon. So, I will say this is my only little rant here because I, I didn't tell you I was going to do this much, but I don't. I don't care for it. I don't really care what some celebrity who does 
nothing to do with the whiskey world, then just says, and now my name's on a whiskey bottle. I don't understand that. Or a tequila bottle, or it, like, I don't really care what somebody who does mixed martial arts thinks about the whiskey world. I care what the master blender of that distillery thinks about the whiskey world. So... Yeah, no, I, I'm with you, mate, um, 100% on that. I, I think when it comes to, like, it's just a way of selling it, then... Correct. It is. That's that's exactly what it is, you know, and and, and it's people in the distribution world, it, make, it makes their life easier, right? 100%. So like, oh, this is the person from... like that's it. What I would arguably say is most of the celebrities that I've seen talking about their own product don't sound like they know what they're talking about when they talk about their own product. <laughs> you want to <laughs> name any not... examples there, Nicholas? No, I don't want to name any examples. But the reality <laughs> of it is, is it just, it just it, look, here's what I would say. If somebody is a celebrity who wants to invest into a, a, a brand that they really like because they think it's a great opportunity for them to be involved in, in the brand's growth, that's different. Mm. Being the face of a brand and being the name of, behind a brand, well, I, I don't, I think that there's, there's, but I, I can't see that applying to anywhere else in the world. Like, I just, I don't, outside of the food and beverage industry, it doesn't really apply anywhere else, does it? Like, you're not like, yeah. well, I really care for, you know, people bought Air Jordans because he was a basketball player that helped design the shoe to play basketball in. So it made sense. Oh, I just watched that last basketball. night. It's, I've just finished uh, The Last Dance. Did you watch that or did you watch Air? I watched Air. I've seen The Last Dance before, but Air was brilliant. I didn't realize so, all that stuff that, that went on with that. So it's, it really is like so. I'm 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 actually crushing a little bit on Michael Jordan, but again, he's just released a tequila, and I'm like, who cares? Mm. Like he's a big I drinker, care though. That, he's always he's, been a big drinker. He is, but he's a whiskey drinker. So yeah, when yeah. you watch him in The Last Dance, he's sitting with a glass of whiskey oh, in his glass yeah. the whole time with a cigar. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't really care what he thinks about tequila. What I really care about is. Like what a phenomenal athlete he was, and then he had Air Jordan and partner with Nike. Like that to me is a synergy that makes sense. Like an athlete and a sports brand, an athlete and a and an alcohol brand, predominantly. Like even if you think, and I will, you will, I will mention this. Remember when Hague came out with uh, David Beckham? David Beckham, yeah. I'm like, cool. Here's a guy that's actively gone on television week to week to week saying, "I don't drink alcohol," yeah. and now you've got a whiskey. I'm like that doesn't jive with me so if you're a celebrity and you have your own whiskey brand want to come on the show chat to us <laughs> justify why you have it we want to hear from you Beckham, get, in, get in touch mate yeah exactly <laughs> i'm sure i'll be getting a text message from sam hewan's agent later today going like that you're an asshole <laughs> <laughs> we've got a little bit of news from the global spirits category uh, so iwsr data came out and the spirits category has increased by five percent in volume over last year, led predominantly by whiskey and rum. So that seems That's to be driving news. the cat. Yeah, it is good news, right? So, you know, across the board, category growth, um, you know, a couple of really, you know, actually interesting enough, like non-alcoholic spirits is really kind of creeping up 22%. It's a small base, right? But it's like hmm. jumping right up there. But I think it's 9% on on whiskey growth, which is, which is you know, helping to drive. So again, outperforming the, the, the average growth. But uh, whiskey seem to be doing a really cracking job there, so no, no complaints. It, it's interesting that's all dark spirits. You know, you you think about if that was uh ten years ago, that would have been white spirits, it would have been vodka or gin that would have been driving that growth. So, yep, nice to and see. And and premium growth as well. So it's it's premiumization is is where people are going as well. So it's not just about trying to drink more, but trying to drink better. 
So I'm going to go back to Suntory here with Beam Suntory um, because they've just released a new blended Scotch whiskey called Ardre. This is an interesting one, I think, because, you know, I was chatting with someone the other day and they were talking about the price of single malt scotch whiskey and the fact that we're all going to be drinking blended whiskey soon. And it seems like a lot of companies now are going down that blended um, style of whiskey. I, I think what that person said to me might become a reality, you know. So yep. this expression is described as a new interpretation of blended scotch which is, uh, is is quite an interesting way to look at it. No no age statement on there. And they say that they tested nearly, nearly 200 different whiskey combinations before settling on a final blend. Uh, Beam Suntory, obviously the owner of Beaumore, Laphroaig, Ockintosh, and Ardmore distilleries. Uh, so it's said they've drawn a handful from its Scotch distilleries, as well as whiskey from its partner, Scottish spirits firm Edrington. Who owns McAllen and Glen Office in Highland Park, which we probably all know. 48% ABV. And it's yeah, it's going to be selling for about £60 or $80. What do you think of this one, Nicholas? So the premise behind this, Mitch, if I'm not mistaken, is that it's Scotch whiskies, but they're being blended by their Japanese master blending team. Like I think that's the collaboration, if I'm not if I'm not wrong. Yeah. Um so I think that the premise behind this is that the master blenders of, of Japan can come to Scotland and create a different style of whiskey than you would do if it was, um, you know, a Scottish master blending team. I guess we shall see. I mean, I, I, you can guarantee it's going to be a great quality liquid. You know, Suntory are, are synonymous with, with excellent quality whiskies. Um, but I guess after a skinny whiskey you want to drink after an hard day's work, probably shouldn't have cracked that crappy joke before our last bit of bad news, which is the CEO of Diageo, Mr. Ivan Menezes, actually passed away this week after a very short illness. So some really sad news. This was a, a man who's a powerhouse in the whiskey industry for obviously one of the biggest and uh, champions within the Scotch whiskey industry. Um, so he passed away after a short illness with his family by his side. Uh, he he was due to step down at the end of the month anyway, the end of June. And uh, the interim CEO uh, is, is, is going to take over effective immediately. And that is Miss Deborah Crew. So they'll have a, a female champion, which is which is great to see, obviously, for, for a company size at the Azure to have a female CEO, but obviously uh, under very, very sad circumstances. So again, our, our, our thoughts are out there with the, the his his wife and his two children. Um, you know, he, he wasn't a particularly old gentleman, you know, he was just in his in his uh, 60s. So really sad, 63 years old he was when he passed. So yeah, we'll raise a wee, a wee toast to him. Yeah, really sad news that yeah, such a young guy as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely, like you say, man, thinking about his his family and and uh, everyone, all his friends that, that knew him. Moving on to other things, we've got um, you know, there's been a big bit of excitement right now with this new Barley Digital magazine. Uh, a lot of the the kind of whiskey guys are getting excited about it. It has had some uh, big names to write articles for them, including the likes of Dave Broom, Becky Paskin, Brian Cox, to name a few, but. One of the things that we wanted to discuss on the show was an interesting piece by Dr. Nick Morgan. Um, now, I know Nick uh, from my Diageo days when I got keepered. He was the one who presented me with with my 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 quake, as he probably did with you as well, Nick, when you got keepered. Yep. Um, but he um, wrote a piece called "Scotch is Striding to Disaster," and. It was a it was a really interesting piece. So for, for the those that don't know who Nick Morgan is, 
He was very much the, the guy behind the marketing of Diageo. He was very much the, the PR behind a lot of the, the Diageo single malts. And um, very, very big name within the whiskey industry. He's now gone independent. He's written a book on Johnny Walker, which was was a, an amazing seller. And, uh, you know, I've got a lot of respect for, for Nicholas. But when we saw this article, we kind of discussed it for such a long period of time. We thought we would break it down a little bit and talk about it here uh, because it kind of resonated with us a little bit as to, to, to what he was talking about. So to set the tone of this article, for those that haven't read it, it starts with the following statement. Having been copied and plagiarized for so long, Scotch seems to be having some kind of identity crisis and is in, in danger of losing the thing that made it special in the first place. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot going on with this, Nicholas. What do you uh, What do you think? Where do you want to start here? Yeah, Mitch, I think that's a, a fairly good synopsis of, of this article, which is, if I'm being candid, uh, he sounds angry. Like, he's, <laughs> he sounds yeah, pissed he, off. He doesn't like doesn't him. He? It's not like Nicholas. Like, you know, I've known Nick for a long time. I've never heard him kind of get on his high horse a little bit like this. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's a high horse, but he he seems angry. Like, he seems like there's a the path. And kind of like how I just went off a little bit about the celebrity stuff. It feels like this is just like the last straw that's nitpicked him. He arguably what i'd say is he's he's flagged one he doesn't name them but he's certainly flagged one company out for this mm -hmm. uh, within you know who've taken inspiration for using other world influences my, my gut feeling this is that the, the, the world of whiskies it will become more globalized scotch whiskey will always be scotch whiskey because there are laws that govern it and but it should continue to evolve it should like otherwise we're we're hampering innovation and we're hampering change. And that's the thing that's really driven Scotch whiskey. Like Scotland is the the champions of, of driving change, I think. You know, if you think about other parts of the world that take uh, excitement from that, like it's only just now you're starting to see malt whiskies coming from America that are, that are putting laws and in, 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 in like, a, like a recognition around it. Uh, you know, obviously Japan is is has been heavily, heavily influenced by what's going on, and we'll touch on that a little bit as we kind of break through the article. But I mean, overall, what, what do you want to start? Should we read out a few passages from it? We can kind of discuss. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you there. Um, if you go back to when we moved to the US, you know, we looked at we we're on different brands, and Balvenie was a very traditional brand, but at the time, Glenfiddich was a traditional brand that wanted to make itself take itself out of that that dusty image that you know oh yeah my granddad used to drink Glenfiddich and which is yeah. a lot of what I used to get whenever I went around yeah so you know I think when I think when Nick Morgan's chatting about how it's losing its, its identity a little bit that people like us are not necessarily responsible for that but maybe have a little bit to do with that in taking away those traditional uh sort of imagery if you like of what scotch whiskey was was around i mean let's face it the ambassadors before us they they were talking about bagpipes and they were doing you know traditional tastings with cheese yeah. and talking about all that kind of stuff and very um, tart and twee wasn't it yeah 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 so i'm not sad about scotch whiskey moving on in this way would i say it's having an identity crisis i don't know i think that's a little bit harsh but yeah, let's 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 break down some of this, right? So, um, you know, 
I think the first one I want to take here is what you just touched on. And, um, you know, Nick Morgan writes here, and this is kind of quoting uh, directly from the article here. Um, and so it was from the early attempts of Suntory to produce Scotch whiskey in the late 1920s to the explosion of new distilleries around the world in the early 21st century. Everyone or almost everybody wanted to be like Scotch and more particularly like single malt Scotch whiskey, pot stilled, handcrafted, artisanal, and a taste of place, a premium price. So I think that's a good point in that Scotch set the bar, and a lot of the whiskies that we say, see these days are very much copying that. And like you said, Japan did that amazingly well back in the 1920s with, with Mas Takatakatsuru. Yeah, but even then, like, well, first and foremost, they weren't trying to create single malt because single malt wasn't even a category at that point. So what they were trying to do was create blended whiskey. So I yeah. think even, even at this, like in early 21st century stuff, it was all blended whiskey. That was what Scotland was hanging its hat on. It wasn't single malt. You know, the, the boom of single malt has really happened over the last 40, 50 years. And even within that, arguably the last 20 years have kind of really taken off where we started to see luxury and more more kind of innovation within the space. Um, but I, I would say that, you know, Suntory trying to produce Scotch whiskey, Suntory was trying to produce malt whiskey. Like, mm. so again, even in that, like, Japanese, the Japanese whiskey business right now is going through, not, not not what I think is an identity crisis, but actually a come to Jesus moment where they're starting to go, well, wait a minute, most of the malted barley, in fact, 99.9% .9 of malted barley to use to make malt whiskey in Japan doesn't come from Japan. It still comes from Scotland. So, you know, Japanese whiskey brands have a tough time explaining uh, the flavor profile of, of, you know, like a taste of place because the place where the grain is coming from isn't Japan. So that's something, again, that Scotland, everything that really happens around Scotland, it was the grains of the land. So barley was grown in Scotland. Wheat was grown in Scotland. They're not trying to produce bourbon-style corn whiskies, but maybe they should. There's nothing, I don't, I, don't, I don't see an issue with that. Like, I think yeah. that that is, you know, taking a learning from somebody doesn't mean you're having an identity crisis. It means you've seen something and gone, well, that's pretty good. Maybe we could maybe we could take that and, and improve on it or do something that's different so that we create a flavor profile. To me, I like thinking about whiskey without, you know, without boundaries and without borders. You know, I like to see innovation in the space. And I think the minute you become, well, that's not how we used to do it and blah, 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 then you're stymieing that and you're stopping people from being able to be like, well, actually... You know what? What? What is it that makes whiskey and and something of the place? Yeah, and I, and I think Nick goes into that in in this article. You know, he's talking about how other world whiskies um, kind of progressed, I suppose, at a quicker pace than Scotch whiskey did, and then Scotch whiskey is now trying to catch up by pulling different parts and 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 looking at world whiskies and saying like, well, how could we do that? And like you said earlier, he he kind of goes after one brand in particular here, which I thought was a little bit unfair and, and kind of strange for, for Nick to do that. I thought, you know, there are a lot of different examples that he could have pulled from and to pull from one brand and, and, and you know, single them out was something that, I don't know, I, I found weird from him to, to do. Uh, but, you know, I I can kind of see his point in a way, but I also think that this is, something that I don't think is a bad thing 
I don't know. I, I think we're always going to hold on to our tradition in Scotland on, on Scotch whiskey making. There's always going to be those parts of it that are there. You know, we have, we're talking about distilleries that we have now that are well over a century old. Um, they're not going to lose that. And do we need to evolve? Do we need to keep up? A hundred percent we do. There's, yeah. there's world whiskeys now. I think the last stat was 82 countries are now making their own whiskey. Like if if someone in one of those countries starts drinking whiskey, if that's their starting point, are they necessarily going to move to Scotch whiskey? Probably. Will they stay with Scotch whiskey? Maybe not if it doesn't keep up with, with current trends. Yeah. And I would say that arguably, you know, being able not to change the laws around Scotch whiskey, but being able to say, look, if it's made in Scotland, if it's blended in Scotland, if it's even if it's a world blend done in Scotland, you know, it's inherently whiskey is a product of its environment. If you were to take a barrel of American bourbon and put it into Scotland for 10 years and then blend it in with a, a grain whiskeys from Scotland, it would be a totally different product than if you would, if you'd have left that American bourbon cask sitting in Kentucky. So to me, that's kind of the stuff that I want to see more of. Like, I, I don't, I don't feel threatened by it. I feel, you know, if other people are looking at, generating and, and creating world blends like the japanese certainly have, have, have owned that you know that that was world blend was created by suntory and by nika and um, you know by blending scotch whiskies into their into their whiskies in, in japan i think that there's other countries now looking at doing similar things you know you see it in america where the people are blending different products and different um uh, even just cask finishes and, and, and kind of expanding into the the wood that they're using i think that i, I I think there's an element of me that says you single malt whiskies from Scotland will not go away. Traditional blended whiskies from Scotland will not go away. Can you innovate within that space and create something new and different from Scotland? Why would you not? Mm. I, I think going back to this, right, going back to the article, I think one of the things that, that Nick Morgan mentions here as well is, you know, he talks about 30 years ago, single malt used to be all about the distillery and the distillation process. Um, and now it's more about wood. Uh, he talks about it being a commercially driven practice yeah. to help producers bring young and immature or indifferent and in, in distinctive whiskies to the market at an enhanced price. What do you think of that statement within there? I think that making whiskey, like, so let's break that down there's two things here right so for me the location and the actual physical building has got less to do with the final product than the process of oak maturation that's a fair statement to make right so mm -hmm. outside like the distillation process is slightly different right so there are really two major factors that will affect how you make whiskey predominantly your distillation and your maturation so understanding that those two things but those two things still have to happen in a distillery in Scotland. So again, for me, it, it's a distinction without a difference. Like how a brand needs to talk about how whiskey's made. If you think about this back in the day, and I can I can specifically talk about the same brand that he's flagged up. Um, you know, used to talk about their spring, and every distillery in Scotland did it. So if yeah. you look at marketing and branding and advertising from the sixties and seventies and eighties. It was all, here's the spring water. And it was a little tartan tween, you know, there'd be a caricature of a guy in a kilt saying this is a water source and this is why it's so important. 
And the reality of it is, is water, what accounts for maybe four or five percent of the final products when it's all said and done, because it's all demineralized, it's all filtered, it's all, you know, made to be effectively neutral outside of, of, of how hard or how soft it is in the first place. But from that standpoint, you know, I think that we, this is it, what we're talking about here are the, the actual things that really shape the liquid. So I understand, you know, maybe, maybe we maybe we do need to talk more about the people in the distillery and, and, and the, the people behind it, but I don't think that's completely gone. I think that there's still an element of that that still exists. I think it's a good challenge. Like, are are we focusing so much on wood so that we can bring young liquid to the market? I don't really... I think the standard of whiskey, Mitch, is so high. So I think mm. that the consumer would tell you, if even non-age statement whiskies. So is the point on oh, not everything has a 10, a 12, a 15, an 18, a 21, a 25, a 30? Because that's traditional, that's boring, but also it's not particularly exciting on liquid. And that doesn't generate innovation and it makes things stagnant and it makes people go, well, if that's all that is is coming from that distillery, then I've tasted it all, what next? And then they go somewhere else. And that might not be to another Scotch whiskey distillery. It might be to another category altogether. So if we don't want to innovate or generate or create new flavor profiles by looking at how flavor is generated, by understanding the quality of oak, which has happened since the 1980s, then we will be left behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there was a, there was a part in this that kind of did, did make me cringe a little bit because it's I suppose it's kind of close to home to what is happening today. And he goes after the kind of influencers a little bit here. Yep. So the, the bit where he writes, uh, of course, so-called influencers and commentators, seduced as they are by the nature of their corruptive relationships with producers, both large and small, simply welcome each new release and innovation with the glee of infants around a Christmas tree. Oof. I don't oh, yeah. punch you, does he? No, I mean, our hands with delight at every sparkling new gift. Fairly. <laughs> <laughs> I like, like this new Nick Morgan. Nick, get I, on the show, man. We want to hear what you're saying about yeah, this. Yeah, I want. So, and I will say this: like, so this is maybe a little unfair of us to kind of pick this apart and without him being here to like explain it, right? So, I think that we should. I, I actually would love Nick to come on. So, please come and do that. But it sounds like he. I actually agree with this. This is the exact same thing that I was talking about earlier. I don't care. Like, even thinking about it this way. When people say, "Like I'm a whiskey writer," take whatever publication you want. I'm the I'm the spirits writer. The reason that they're in their business is because they're good at writing, not because they make whiskey, not because they've ever made whiskey, not because they might they might visit distilleries. But there's a dist like it's kind of like a food critic when somebody says this is the best or this is whatever, and it's you know it's a publication driven article. And, I, and don't get me wrong, there are people out there that have dedicated their lives to nosing and tasting whiskies, but when they first started, what they were were writers. There were influencers. There were people that could say this is that. So uh, there's an element of that that I I can agree with. I don't think it's true for all. And I think it's probably a little unfair because that's always existed. And Nick Morgan knows that better than most because he would have had to sit down with the guys at every major whiskey publication and knows and taste with them. And mm. that's just evolved into this digital space. The you know, more social media has kind of taken on uh, bigger formats. And yeah. brands need to be aware of that. Like everyone's a critic now. Everyone's yeah. got a mouthpiece. Everyone's got a microphone. Everyone's got a YouTube channel. Look at us two schmucks with our podcast. You know, anybody can tune, <laughs> tune in and listen to us monkeys yammering on. But 
that's it, right? So yeah. at least we can say, look, we've both worked in the booze business for 20 years. This is all we've ever done in our adult lives. Like that's a dedication to our industry. So do I think that we are entitled to speak about it? 100%. Do I think that anybody that's like, well, I've got a YouTube channel with 500,000 you know, viewers and I'm 22 years old and I've never done anything outside of be popular and I wanted to just be popular. Now I'm going to use that to leverage brands. I don't really care what they've got to say. In the same way that I don't care what Michael Jordan's got to say about tequila because he drinks whiskey and smokes cigars. Oh, I, like I do care I like about way, is, I like the way you brought that back around again. That's nice. I do. Full circle, mate. Because beautiful. Like, and by the way, I'm sure and I've tasted the the his tequila. That's good. I mean, you should stick was, to playing basketball. <laughs> I think that was good to break down, you know, Nick Morgan's article there because for me that was like it was it was an important article. Um, I think yeah, it, was. it was it was interesting to see him write like that and and you know probably take off the shackles that he's had with Diageo for so many yeah. years. And now he's like, Hey, let's go for it. Let's uh, yeah. speak my, speak my mind, you know? It's um, impassioned. And it was, I think it was candid. I think it was probably, I think the way it reads maybe sounds a little bit or how it was edited. Maybe he wasn't the final edit on it. Right. So you never know. That's why I'd love to have him come on and talk about it. I think that, but I think he'll probably say in a more calmer tone, what we've discussed about celebrity stuff and how that's kind of influenced and shaped stuff. And, no, yeah. not not every brand needs to chase everything down a rabbit hole and then pretend it's from that place. I think that's yeah. maybe a, a fairer kind of assumption that he's trying to make. Absolutely. Anyway, mate, I think we should call it there for the day. That's been a good little good Aye. little chin wag, good little catch up episode Aye. right there. Most of a rant. I feel like most, it was a rant at some point. A, a little bit of a rant, but that's all right. You can rant. <laughs> You're a ranty kind of guy. <laughs> Nicholas does get on his high horse a lot, by the way, talking about people who get us on the high horse. It's, it's just tough being right all the time. And then <laughs> see it, <laughs> oh, should we should we tell everyone the big news about October? Yes. Yes. Well, so that's it. Yeah. Well, today I've just booked flights over to New York because Nicholas can't get his ass over to Scotland. So we are going to be doing a not another whiskey podcast live in New York somewhere. So you guys, this is hot off the press. It's going to be literally the start of October. I think we're looking at October the 1st for yeah, it. So yeah. get on our website, sign up if you're in New York, because we are going to be sending some uh, invitations out to people that are on our mailing list for this. So there's a little bit of an incentive for you guys to sign up to our mailing list. Fantastic. Can't wait to have you out here, Mitch. I think it's going to be a great show. We're going to be speaking and trying to get some uh, whiskey people to come along, obviously, and, and join us in the live recording. And we'll drink a few drams. It'll, it'll follow the similar formats of, of live shows in the past. But this time it will be with a, maybe a little bit of a more American twist to things, right? Are you going to put uh, your American accent on? Because you're in New York. I'll, I'll speak in my American accent, so I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, All right, man. man. We'll get to catch up. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who is listening. Uh, great episode, man. Catch yep. you soon. Have a good week, guys. Bye. I'm Mitch, and joining me as your co-host is the charismatic Nicholas.